So I'm really excited because um, I run the um, life groups here at St. Saviour's. So I'm very excited to have been given this opportunity to talk about why it's important that um, we try and go through life as a family together rather than going solo. Uh, so tonight's is the fourth talk in our current series, Practicing the Way of Jesus. And uh, I'm going to speak on two things. One is the importance of growing with others. And the other is the reason why I believe that being a member of a discipleship group is essential to our spiritual development. So here goes. Are you sitting comfortably? Then I'll begin. For some time, our culture's mantra has been that healthy adults are self-sufficient and that only dysfunctional people need or depend on others. Mature adults, it alleges, should be independent, self-sufficient, and invulnerable, facing life and danger alone. Other people are there to be used when useful and then discarded when not. Think James Bond. However, both science and scripture beg to differ. They actually teach that we are created for connection. Science from all fields has proved that we need close connection with others for our mental, physical, and emotional health. As early as 1760, it was reported that children in a foundling home, although sheltered and fed, regularly died from sadness. Senior research scientist Louise Hawkley of the Center for Cognitive and Social Neuroscience at the University of Chicago, can I have a round of applause, please? Um, calculates that loneliness raises blood pressure to the point where the risk of heart attack and stroke is doubled. In fact, shockingly, sociologist James House of the University of Michigan has shown that emotional isolation is more dangerous, a more dangerous risk to our health than either smoking or high blood pressure. Moreover, distress in a relationship adversely affects our immune and hormonal systems and our ability to heal. However, the reverse is also true. Connection has a healing effect. In his group studies, psychologist Professor Mikulinsa showed that when we feel safely connected with others, we understand ourselves better and we like ourselves better. You see, the need to connect is wired in our genes and in our bodies. It's as basic to life, health, and happiness as our need for food and shelter. But it's not just science that affirms our need for connection. So does scripture. Community is the heart of Christianity. The God who we worship exists in community. He is love. And love only occurs in relationship. So what that means in practice is that the three distinct persons of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit, exist in relationship with each other, each person preferring and serving the other two. God, who is eternally love, is eternally moving outwards towards others for the good of others. And we, as his sons and daughters, made in his image, are designed to do likewise. When we're adopted in God's family, we are inextricably woven into the Father's love of the Son, the Son's dependence on the Spirit and the Spirit's honoring of the Father. And we are also inextricably woven into his family. 
You cannot be in relationship with God without also being in relationship with his family. That is because God has built us in such a way that we are mutually dependent. Not least of all, because as individuals, we don't hold all the gifts that we will need in order to fill the calling on our lives. We are reliant on other members of our family to help us along the way. The Apostle Paul, in his letter to the Corinthians, puts it like this. Just as a body, though one has many parts, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether high church or low church, Anglican, Catholic or Baptist. Even so, the body is not made up of it, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. And just as different parts of the body are each made for a different purpose, so are we too. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. And to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. We aren't given the gift of healing, prophecy, or leadership so as we can look splendid. We are given these gifts so that we may serve and bless others, just as our Heavenly Father does. Each person is vital to the well-being of the whole body. Each gift is needed. I'm ashamed to say that um, I spend far too much time comparing myself with other people, even though I know that this is a ridiculous exercise. After all, which is better, a kettle or a sofa? Surely it depends on whether you were hoping for a sit-down or a cup of tea. If all you had in your flat were multiple sofas, then how on earth would you boil water? Equally, saying that one person's set of gifts is better than another's is absurd, because each is gifted for a different purpose. We're all created for different positions in the body and different functions. The one thing we all have in common is that God, in his wisdom, has gifted each one of us so that we can bless other people. And in God's economy, because there is such diversity, we are both able to the offer the opportunity of a sit-down and a cup of tea. From Genesis onward, scripture tells us, it is not good for man to be alone. We are meant to be interdependent, each one focused on blessing the other. There really is no such thing as solitary Christianity because it isn't possible to separate out our discipleship to Jesus from our involvement in a community in church. The two go together. Okay, so that's the scientific and biblical evidence for why we need to grow together. And now I would like to explain why I believe that being a member of a discipleship group is essential to our spiritual development. I think we probably all agree that our call to faith is a call to radically reorient our lives around Jesus. And simply put, long-term interpersonal relationships are the crucible in which we do this. That is why I believe that each member of our church needs to be in a small group. And at St. Saviour's, we have over 30 of these groups 
some of which have been in existence for decades. They are the places where the spiritual rubber hits the road, where our apprenticeship to Jesus is worked out, where much of the pastoral care in our church family takes place, and where people are bonded together through mutual support and love. In these groups, people have become true family to one another, standing with one another in good times and bad. And I'd like to suggest that it's in these groups that our church most reflects the example of the discipleship which was modeled by Jesus. Jesus not only worshipped with his apostles, but he lived out life with them, challenging, nurturing, equipping, and encouraging them to become everything they'd been created to be. If you're not already in one of these groups, my request to you this evening is to consider joining one. If you want to find out more about what that involves, um, you can have a chat with me at the end of the service, or you can sign up. I've put a sign-up sheet at the the back if you'd like more information. I'd also like to say that if you are a small group leader, we are incredibly grateful. In fact, can I get the small group leaders to stand up? If you're a life group or a pod leader, could you stand up? Come on, I can see you all in here. Okay, well, you're, you're representing. No, no, you can't sit down yet. Stand up, stand up. We just want to say thank you very much to you, and you represent all the leaders that we have in our church. And we want to say thank you very much, and God bless you. You do an incredible job, which makes a huge difference to all of us. So thank you. Can we give them a round of applause? So why am I, in a very un-British way, trying to pressurise you to join a group? Well, the two most notable reasons why I think being part of one of these groups is essential for each of us is, number one, because they provide exposure, and number two, because they provide encouragement. We have set up specific groups, which we call pods there, short for places of discipleship, in which we intentionally aim to make sure that every person is helped to develop their calling and become everything Christ has asked them to be. As regards exposure, there are three key elements to exposure that a small group provides that I believe we need if we're going to see transformation in our lives. The first is exposure to a big biblical worldview. So in these groups, each week, scriptural teaching is provided along with life application suggestions. These are vital to us if we are to counteract the constant barrage of teaching we receive from other sources. Whether you are a churchgoer or not, we are all subject to spiritual formation. Spiritual formation is part of what it means to be human. The question is not whether you're being formed, but what you're being formed by. We are constantly formed by the cultural context we find ourselves in, be that our childhood upbringing, our friends, colleagues, newspapers, magazines, social media, books or films. Each comes with a message and each endorses a different set of values and behaviours. Exposure to good teaching is vital if we're to counteract the lies that the world tells us and assimilate a Christ-like perspective on this world. So that's the first exposure. The second exposure, which I believe takes place in a discipleship group, is the exposure of our gifts and calling. 
In these groups, discovering what our gifts and calling are is a priority. Without a community which in which deliberate discipleship is practiced, it's unlikely that anybody will know the full extent of your gift or calling. Discovering what these are must surely be fundamental to us fulfilling our potential in Christ. And in the parable of the talents, we're told that we will be held accountable for how we have or have not used what's been given to us. So surely this must be something we need to take seriously. The third thing a small group provides is the exposure of what Peter Scazzaro in his book, The Emotionally Healthy Church, calls our shadow side. In our groups, there's a strong emphasis on getting to know each other and learning to see each other fully, the gifts and talents we have, but also the struggles and weaknesses we wrestle with. Our shadow, according to Peter Scazzaro, is the accumulation of untamed emotions, less than pure motives, and thoughts that, while largely unconscious, strongly influence and shape our behaviours. It is the damaged but mostly hidden version of who we are. So on a Sunday, we don't get to see each other very, very much. So it's perfectly possible to come in here with what I call our Sunday best behavior. But in a small committed group of people, our masks come off. And sooner or later, everyone will get to encounter each other's shadow side. Close-knit community exposes what's actually going on inside of us, both the good and the bad, which is not only hidden from others, but is often hidden from ourselves too. Much of our shadow side will have been formed through the influence of different worldviews or through painful experiences in our past. In order to be healed and remolded in the image of Christ, we need to bring our shadows into Christ's light. Vulnerability is scary, but without it, it's hard to see how transformation is possible. Let's be honest, exposure in its various forms is undoubtedly costly. I find that it is neither a comfortable experience to have my shadow side exposed, nor to be in the presence of somebody else going through this process. Being in a group where everybody wa wears a mask is definitely less painful, but it's also considerably less productive. Because it's through this exposure that we become fully known and fully appreciated. Those in our groups come to understand both what our struggles are, but also what our calling is. And in this way, they're equipped to help us on our journey of discipleship through the second essential ingredient to our spiritual development, encouragement. If we're not seen, absolutely no words of, of affirmation or encouragement will make any difference to us because we know in our heart of hearts that the person speaking to us doesn't know us at all. However, in a committed small group, we can be truly known. Over time, the people in the group can come to understand how we're wired. And then, when they tell us that they're excited to see who we're becoming in Jesus, that they're there to support, protect, champion, and pray for us, then we cannot fail to be truly encouraged. These groups are safe places where we can go and journey through life's ups and downs. 
Safe places where if we stumble, we know that there are people who love us who are there to support us, to pick us up, dust us down, and help us get back on track. They are places where we can not only learn about Jesus, but learn to become like him and learn to do the things that he did. They are our training camps where we practice what we've learned about in the Bible. As I reflect on the bumpy journey of the discipleship of the apostles, I cannot get away from the fact that there is a cost to discipleship. You cannot microwave character or install a transformation app in order to grow more like Jesus. Discipleship takes time and it takes commitment. However, more than ever, I'm convinced that committing to go through life together with a small group of people is how we can learn to become everything we've been designed to be and how we can, like the apostles, have a significant impact on the world. As cultural anthropologist Margaret Mead explains, never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it is the only thing that ever has. When I became a Christian, I spent a decade avoiding small groups. The idea of being trapped in a group of people long-term made me feel claustrophobic and trapped, and I could see no reason why I wanted to go join one. But during that period, I didn't really manage to grow at all. And then I joined a group. My worldview, my spiritual landscape, and even my career changed. So my plea to anybody not in a group is don't miss out on what God has for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are our ultimate home and resting place. And we love you. But for now, you've asked us to go through life together. And sometimes that's easy. And sometimes that's more challenging. But I pray, Lord, that there would be no lonely people in this building I pray that each person would find a home from home, a place where they are seen, they are championed, they are encouraged, and they are picked up when they fall down. And I pray, Lord, that it would be really obvious to each person what group suits them, what will work for them. And we pray, Lord, that this will be a church which really does feel like the big family that we talk about, where we know we are loved and valued. But also, Lord, my dream for us as a church is that we would be like a firework launching place where different people would be set on fire and go out and spread the fire to other places. I pray, Lord, that you would make our light infectious, 
that you would put us on pedestals, that in the same way as the disciples did, you would use us to transform the world that we live in. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We can have the band. There are the cool kids in the back. Oh no, I'll tell you what I was going to do. I nearly forgot, isn't that dreadful? Dave Snell. You can all get warmed up, tuned, ready to go. Um, but I thought it'd be really good for you um, to hear not just from me about groups, um, but from somebody who's in a group. And Dave, you're in a group, aren't you? Do you want to tell us what on earth it's like? Actually, I'm a bit greedy, Janie, because I'm in two groups. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of support. <laughs> It's uh, very needy. Um, I'm in two groups because I've been in a life group for probably about four years plus, um, which has been great and a uh, proper kind of family. Typical, I suppose if there is a typical St. Saviour's life group, lots of tea, lots of Bible study, bit of prayer, bit of, you know, that kind of thing. And then last summer, Mike asked me if I'd join his third men's pod group. And uh, I the, these are the places of discipleship. I was talking about the new types of groups. It's hard to uh, say no to your rector, isn't it? Really, but it, uh, I found it's not easy. <laughs> I did think about it because my life group meets on a Wednesday night, and Mike's group meets on a Thursday morning, really early, like quarter to seven. So yeah, it's got it's got a six in it. Okay, it's that early, mm-hmm. and I thought oh, I better try it. Maybe after two or three weeks, I can kind of dip out. So I went. And then within about two weeks, I had a real problem because it was so different from the life group and so kind of edgy and accountable and there was just so much about it, much more intentional. I thought, oh, if I had to choose now, it'd be really hard. I don't know which one I'd, uh, you know, because I'm starting to sort of love both. So, um, So I basically stuck with both and... Then another transformation for our group in January, the life group started to do the pod material. And that has completely transformed our life group, totally. It's just become so, I don't know, so much deeper, even though we've been together, most of us, for about four or five years or or longer. um, It's just completely changed it. And I couldn't choose now between the two. It's, uh, It's just amazing. So really enjoying being in, in both. You're like on the spiritual highway, aren't you? You're on fast forward two groups. You're trying to get there before <laughs> There's any no of time us. for sleep between There's the no two. Time. You know, I, can uh... <laughs> I can imagine. So if, if somebody's sitting here uh, like me all those years ago thinking, never, <laughs> let me get out of this place as quick as possible, what would you say to you has has been a benefit from it? Why, why bother? Because that, that's an early time in the morning and... and uh, you're in the band, you're with the cool kids up late at <laughs> night, you know, yeah, parties, yeah. all that, isn't it? Yeah, all the time. So, uh, <laughs> why, what, so, what difference does it make? Why oh, do it? I suppose if you want kind of cosy conversation, you could join a book group, couldn't you? Or a mm. pudding group or, you know, a club or something. But um, Stop hard selling pudding groups. <laughs> no to pudding groups. It's the stories that's really affected me. Um, in the groups, we sh- we're, as part of the material, we share our stories. Um, and when somebody is sharing about their life, and those of you who have experienced this will know what I'm talking about, 
it just changes everything. You know, you, they were telling each other stuff that we wouldn't have told anybody before. And somehow it seems to happen because, mm. I don't know, because you make it happen, Zaini. I don't know what you put <laughs> into it, but it, mm. uh, it, it makes it work. And mm. uh, it's the stories, it's people's stories that, um, that has really affected me in both groups. I mean, the guys' group is different. You know, we're guys together. We, we talk about stuff that, well, I can't even tell you what we talk about because it's secret. in the group. It's secret. Yeah, what happens completely. on on the group stays, stays in there. The group, yeah. yeah, so it's the stories. Um, so I'd say if you're not in one, Go in seriously two. look at it. It's uh, <laughs> yeah, you end up in two. Thank you very much. I really appreciate that.